0: coming to you via the internet and your friends at pipesmagazine.com it's the pipes magazine radio show the show with a host that is so full of baloney his name should be Oscar Meyer now i invite you to sit back relax the smoking lamp is lit here's your host Brian Levine Welcome, welcome, welcome to the 18 and over, sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the weekly broadcast dedicated to all things that we pipe smokers love and enjoy. I am your host, Brian Levine, and it's back on Thursday night. So, for tonight's show in Pipe Parts, I'm going to touch on my trip, talk about uh, the trip out to LA, the trip to Las Vegas, and then recap. The Raleigh Pipe Show for you. My guest tonight is Brad Weinfeld, former boss from Hulk O'Rour. We'll talk a little bit about the old days. i will ask about the cigar business because that's what he's currently doing now. Uh, Speaking of cigar business, instead of music for tonight, I got a special treat for us entertainment-wise. Plus, we've got to finish up the JDRF auctions and all that that went on. Uh, Mailbag And a rant, all that coming up in tonight's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. And I do have a little bit of an announcement, some news. In a couple of weeks, for those of you that subscribe to the Pipes Magazine radio show on iTunes, in a couple of weeks, we will be changing categories that we're in. It should not affect us that are subscribed to it right now, but we think we found a category that will be better for it, so... I'll give you a heads-up warning now. We're going to do it. We will do it on the May 7, uh, May 9th show. We'll change the category, so we'll wait until we get back from Chicago. And uh, May 8th show. Yeah, got the calendar right there. Um, it'll be It'll be the second show in May. I promise you that. We are changing the category, so we'll keep an eye on it. And I'll keep warning you that if you download the show on iTunes... We'd appreciate you leaving us a feedback or a rating on that. That would be wonderful. But we will be changing the category where the show shows up. And that will help, hopefully, help some more people find the show itself. Uh, Speaking of which, if you know of anybody that smokes a pipe and doesn't listen to the Pipes Magazine radio show, hey, tell them how much fun you're having. All right, let's get the show rolling. Everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you to Sutliff Tobacco Company. And here we go.
1: need a reliable source for ordering pipes and tobacco? Do you find it difficult to get your favourite blends outside of the US? 4 stocks all of your favourite pipes and tobaccos and ships all over the world. All forms of payment are accepted and orders are processed the same day. There are no worries when ordering from 4Noggins.com. is your source for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. We ship in the US and international with no worries. 4 for all of your pipes and tobacco needs.
2: The Carolinas and the tobacco tradition have been woven together generation after generation. From the Blue Ridge Mountains to the coastal low country. it's an integral part of our culture and heritage, building our beautiful tapestry. Cornell and Deal is proud to blend our pipe tobaccos in the Carolinas. Our history with tobacco dates back to the mid-1800s, and in that time we've perfected a variety of blends. The Carolinas have given us the perfect backdrop to do just that. Whether you're a fan of the rich Virginias, bold Latakias, spicy Periques, or unique aromatics, we've got a tobacco that's just right for your discerning taste buds. At Cornell and Deal, we live all things pipe tobacco. Blending it, smoking it, and enjoying the company of those who share our excitement. Tobacco, it's what we do stop by cornellanddeal.com
0: We are back. All right, so last week I was in uh, I was on the West Coast and then came back in time for the Raleigh Pipe Show. Uh, my trip started with a business trip/family slash family trip out to Los Angeles on Sunday. Uh, spent some time with my grandmother and my uh, great uncle. Grandmother is 99 and a half, and she needs a little help doing her taxes, but she still lives at home. has a, an assistant that lives with her full time. So, spent some time with her on Monday. The exciting thing was uh, not so much the exciting part, but I got to go. I went to Phillips and King, which is a big customer of ours. And after Phillips and King, I stopped at a place called the Cigar Lounge in Simi Valley, California. When I went in there, I had only talked to Michelle, the owner, on the phone, and I wanted to stop by and introduce myself to him. While I was there, a couple of his regular young pipe-smoking customers came in, and I sat down and spent an hour relaxing inside this gorgeous lounge that is probably a three-month-old store now, where he's got a good group of young guys that are coming in and buying pipes and pipe tobacco and Really enjoying uh, learning about pipes and pipe tobacco and we were sharing and showing pipes and it was a lot of fun. So if you're in the Simi Valley area, highly recommend stopping by. Uh, Tuesday was off to Las Vegas for the NATO show. Uh, I've mentioned, let me mention the fun part of this for you first. One of my favorite things to do in Vegas is find a comfortable place to sit down Get a drink, have a smoke, watch the people go by because Vegas is great for that. Um, the weather was nice the first evening that I was there and I was able to yeah get outside with a couple of guys from the trade show after the opening night cocktail party and sit out under the Eiffel Tower with a drink and smoke my pipe and watch the crowd go by until I was uh, really just exhausted from... Traveling all day on Sunday and a long day, and then Monday being a long day and back and forth to, and then off to Vegas. Uh, so I made it until nine forty-five. Yeah, I'm a big wild party animal. Nine forty-five, I was up in bed. Um, the trade show day the next day, downstairs, lots of walking. Let me, uh, I'll touch on that in a minute. But the highlight of this trip so far was on. Wednesday night, I decided that I was going to go take a walk and stretch my legs and get out of the hotel. Weather outside wasn't the best, so I walked over to the Cosmopolitan, found a restaurant in there that looked like it had a decent wine bar and comfortable seats at the bar. Sat down with a uh, sat down with the bartender. Turns out she's a young lady that is deeply into uh, learning the art of mixing a drink, and creating drinks. Really fun to sit there with her. We got talking a little bit. There was another liquor distributor that came in, was in for a trade show, and I was talking to him for a while. Um, anyway, spent some great time at that bar for about two and a half hours, sampled a whole bunch of really good drinks. Just one of those places where, you know what, I'm, I'm going to make sure and go back there It's at the Cosmopolitan, I don't know how they pronounce the name of the restaurant, but it's C-O-M-M-E-C-A. And just a great bartender, great place to hang out at the bar and sit and drink. Unfortunately, you can't smoke there. Uh, The other highlight was Gordon Ramsay's Burger, B-U-R-G-R, at Planet Hollywood. They have the best sweet potato, french fries, and dip that I've ever tried. As I told the guys there, you could drop your shoelaces in the dip and I'd eat them. It was that good. Uh, The trade show itself, and that's the important part of this, lots of e-cigarettes and lots of the vapor cigarettes. Now, I know there are some of you elitist snob pipe smokers out there that say that this uh, vaping stuff is just a you know, a supplement or whatever, you know, it's not, it's not real. Uh, let me say this, the e-cigarettes, that is a replacement nicotine delivery device for cigarettes. The vaping side of it, which is where you get the custom blended fluids with, uh, different flavors and different levels of nicotine, and you get a, you, you get a device where you can tune the different levels of delivery, that is a real interesting tobacco enjoyment art form. It may not be real tobacco to us, but it's very similar to a pipe. You create a blend that you like. You work with the person at the retail store on helping you create that blend. You find a device that you really like the way it works for you, and you get the taste. If you don't want to inhale it, don't inhale it, just puff on it. You get the taste and you can add nicotine or not. This is something that I think is interesting for the future for especially for those of us that really do enjoy our pipes, but you know at work, we may only have a 10 minute break or a 15 minute break and you really don't want to enjoy your pipe for that short of a time. The vaping side of the business or the uh, the vaping fluids and those devices, look like it could be really interesting if somebody with a uh, blending knowledge or somebody with the taste uh, with the taste sensitivity could get involved in this and really create a really good experience. I'm thinking about it. Uh, came back home. Was home for four hours because I took the red eye home. Took a four-hour nap. Got up. Packed and got ready for the Raleigh Pipe Show. The Raleigh Pipe Show is great because it is in Raleigh, right at the fairgrounds, and they do a really good job of getting the college kids there. Keep in mind that Raleigh is right in the middle of NC State, Duke University, and UNC Chapel Hill are not too far away. So as always, there was a good group of young guys there. Vendors... Tables were all sold out. Pipes of all different kinds all over the place. Uh, Got to spend some time with a couple of the guys from Sutliff Tobacco. They were right behind me. Friends from uh, Smoking Pipes is there as well. They they had so many tables that they oversold the room. And they actually had two vendors outside under the covered awning right out in the smoking area. If they're going to do that again next year... I'm going to volunteer for those spots because you can't smoke inside the room, but you can outside. So there's the reports for you. Uh, It was a long week. It took me about a day or two to really, really get recovered from all that and back at work and back at home fixing up the house. So, All right. In just a minute, Brad Weinfeld will be on the phone with me. This is Internet Radio. The year was
3: 1849. Zachary Taylor was sworn in as the 12th president of the United States. The U.S. flag remained fixed at 30 stars. Edgar Allan Poe was found dead in Baltimore. Congressman Abraham Lincoln patented a buoying device, the only patent ever filed by a future president. William Bond was the first person to photograph the moon through a telescope. And gold was discovered in far-off California. And in that same year, also in California, Henry Sutliff founded his small tobacco company in San Francisco. Founded on the principles of giving the public superior tobacco products for those with very discriminating tastes. Now, 165 years later, that tradition continues. Sutliff Tobacco Company has been setting the standard for pipe tobacco ever since. Take a quiz on our website to have the perfect blend suggestion for your tastes. Or just browse around to explore all of the wide variety of fine products America's oldest pipe tobacco company has to offer. Lots of things have changed since 1849, but Sutliff Tobacco Company's commitment to making the finest pipe tobacco on Earth has not. Visit sutliff-tobacco.com for information on where you can find all of your favorite blends, from the sweetest aromatics to the richest English mixtures. There's nothing quite like hunting at dawn. Or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com.
0: Welcome back. It is my pleasure to bring to the Pipes Magazine radio show somebody who a lot of you pipe guys probably have never heard of, but was uh, kind of key in getting me into this business. Currently the national sales manager for Quesada Cigars, but the uh, former president of Holco Roar, uh, my former boss, Brad Weinfeld. Brad, welcome to the show.
4: Thanks, Brian. It's great to be on with you today.
0: Now, I want everybody to understand that you were the one that gave me my first job beyond retail in the tobacco business, and I think it was simply because you came into a store that I was running in, uh, in Las Vegas for a big smoke. Remembered my name because it's not a real common Irish name. And uh, when we were moving back to L.A., I sent you a
4: resume, and that was the beginning of it. That is true. And I remember the first day you walked in the office. You were so skinny, and my mom said, we got to hire him so we can, he can afford to eat.
0: But well, you also told me that this isn't Alfred Dunhill. Don't wear a suit or shirts or pants or anything nice.
4: That is true. It's totally a warehouse with my mom's dog there.
0: With your mom's dog. And my first desk was uh, U.S. Army surplus from the Korean War.
4: Correct. In the alcove, where the entry was, when every time someone opened the door, all your papers blew off the table. <laughs>
0: It was, a, uh, it was a beautiful job. Um, but anyway, we're not here to talk about me. We're here to talk about Hulko Roar. And at the time I started, the pipe brands that Hulko represented in the United States, the the big one was Peterson, and then there was uh, Eric Nording, GBD, Kamoy's, Joby, Butch Quinn, and had just recently lost importing and distributing costello
4: correct because we when we when the announcement of our sale was they costello took away the line from us but we actually started with costello back in the 1940s and made him switch from the white bar to the aluminum foil diamond in the stem because wally frank already had a pipe called the white bar
0: and that's where i learned that from. Now, go back to the beginning. Where, do, where does the beginning of Hulco Roar, which is spelled H-O-L-L-C-O hyphen R-O-H-R, where, where does the company begin?
4: Well, hulco was, was the company that Wally Frank owned, and Holco still stood for Holland Company because he imported um, clay pipes from Holland, I think from Gouda, and he also um, imported Flying Dutchman, and Theodorus Niemeyer tobaccos. And then the Rohr name comes from my grandfather, who started a little business on the West Coast after escaping Europe during the Nazi regime.
0: And that was Max Rohr. Correct.
4: When When did the two companies merge together? In 1970, My father was the distributor for Savinelli on the West Coast. He lost that line, and then Mr. Frank came out and offered him to buy his business and have him sell all of his stuff on the Western United States. And my father looked at him like, are you crazy? I just lost my biggest line. Why would you want to buy my company? He goes, well, you have a good reputation, and I don't have much representation on the West Coast. And that's how that marriage started.
0: And the Wally Frank that we're talking about is the same one that had all the stores in New York city and the
4: big catalog mail order business. Yes, that's true. He was actually one of the pioneers of mail order. He started in 1928 when he came out to USC and found out that the pipes, that the fraternities didn't have pipes with their crests on them. So he started selling crested fraternity pipes to the people out here in 1928. That's how he started his mail order business.
0: Um, I've heard stories probably from you and from a few others about how, um, how do we say this, but how thrifty Wally was.
4: Oh, my God, yes. One time he was on a vacation. He used to take a a special vacation every year and be gone from the office for a month. When he came back to the office, he goes to the guard to let himself in. And the guard won't let him in. And he goes the way the way he was walking in. The guard goes, "You must think you're Wally Frank." And Mr. Frank goes, "Why that is? I am Wally Frank." And the the guard was like all scared, you know, and worried. And then Wally goes, "Give this guy a raise. He actually is doing his job."
0: <laughs> and then he also lived in in Connecticut? And even during the time when he had several stores going and the mail order business was going good he still took the train and walked the distance from the train to the to the stores
4: every single day the man lived into his 90s and was in still great shape (laughs) so your grandfather's
0: business and Hulko merge what were the what were the key products
4: the main products were the ones you mentioned, Joby Weber, Butch Chocan, Costello, um, Nording. Actually, at that time, we were Carl Eric at that point in time, and Larson. Plus so a lot of the private label pipes made by the Weber Pipe Factory. Mm-hmm. And then during the 80s, um, when the market was going down terribly, like 10% a year, we were able to buy out some of our biggest competitors, such as Kamoy, GBD, Peterson, and we got the Hoy de Nicaragua brand of cigars at that time.
0: Was that the first launch
4: into cigars? No. Um, Mr. Frank had a cigar factory in Kingston, New York called J.B. Back. It was run by Jose Melende, whose son used to own Delacancha in New York. His name was Lionel Melende. So that's how we ended up getting the Romeo and Julieta brand is because we were making those cigars in the J.B. Back factory after Cuba, you know, kicked, them out, kicked out the rightful owners of the brands. I shouldn't say kicked them out. They left, you know, and they, but they, the United States still recognize they own their brands. So we kept the brand alive by making a few thousand every year and selling them in interstate commerce.
0: Fast forward, that was the linchpin for the company really being purchased was the brand rights to some of those great cigar names.
4: Yes, we had five Cuban brands, Romeo and Julieta, San Luis Rey, Juan Lopez, Gisbert, and Quintero.
0: And the pipes and tobaccos? Eh, not so much. Not not, not yeah. so much excitement on that. Um,
4: not but, for Not for the Spanish tobacco monopoly, that's for sure. Yeah. When did you start in the business? I started in 1973 when my father looked at me doing cross country and said, wouldn't you rather drive than run to places? And I said, yeah, I would, Dad. (laughs) He goes, if you want a car, you better start getting to work. (laughs) And what was your first job? I used to work in the warehouse after school. And I worked in the warehouse and did pipe repairs and picked orders and did all that stuff, learning from the bottom up. And then while going to college, I learned how to do the accounting and the bookkeeping and the purchasing and the accounts payable. And then in 1981, when I graduated college from Cal State Northridge, my parents moved to New York to run the company out of New York and I ran the West Coast operation of the company.
0: And you were all of 23 years old? Probably
4: 21 at the time.
0: (laughs) now do me a favor because i've talked to you about this before but you remember going to disneyland and actually going in and calling on the buyer at the tobacco shop
4: yeah um when we were kids my brother and i would go with my dad to disneyland and they had the great pipe shop on main street where we had a I remember our job was to put all the labels in the bowls because every pipe had to have it. It's like, um, what do you call it, EPC codes today? Well, they had their, every pipe had to have a code inside it, and we were responsible for putting all those codes in, and then my dad would deliver them to Disneyland. And then when we got down there, Doreen, who was the owner of the store or the manager of the store, would give us a book of e-passes, and my brother and I go run around the park for two hours when my dad went and sold her some more stuff. And we get to ride on all the good rides with the e-tickets. <laughs>
0: I'd rather talk about the rides, but for the for the sake of the pipes, what do you remember what kind of
4: pipes you were selling her? Amazingly, at that time, it was more of the peasant pipes that we were selling to Disneyland. And some regular, well, you know which one was also very popular when we were doing that was the Hilton Fantasia. I don't know if you remember that pipe at all or not.
0: Yeah, a ton of color to it.
4: Yes, with the Meerschaum Line Bowl made in Holland. I mean, uh, Belgium. So she
0: was buying just whatever your normal category of product was and putting it in her shop. But, yeah, but with was more of an emphasis on the peasant pipes. Yeah. Yeah, a little more thematic for the time. Yeah. Um, when did you start going over to Europe and visiting the pipe factories?
4: I probably started going over more in, like, the late 80s, with my father at first, and then later with Steve Wilson. And we would do the big trip. I mean, it was a huge trip. We would leave um, Los Angeles and fly to uh, Manchester and do the, uh, the show up in Manchester and see the pewter manufacturers that made the Kamoys of London pewter gifts, the flasks. Then we'd go down into London and visit with Kamoy, GBD, um, BBB, Wilmer, Redmond, and see uh, the, the pouch people there. And then we'd fly the following weekend. We would be leaving to go to Milan. We'd do the Milan fair, and we would see uh, the walking stick people there and you know all the other gift people for that, and then we'd see, like, Lorenzo pipes and uh, Chusano pipes, I believe it was, and Costello, and do a lot of, you know, all the buying of private label pipes and Costello pipes. And then from there, we would usually fly up to Denmark and see... Um, Peter Stokeby and Eric Nording, and do tobacco and pipes there, go to the Frankfurt Fair, walk that, see if there's anything we can find for any of the two businesses, buy some leather goods from Germany. Then we would fly down to uh, Geneva and see butch which is in the Jura Mountains of France right above Geneva, and do all the Butz pipes, who was then at that point making all of our Joby pipes for us too. And then after that, one more <laughs> flight, To Ireland to see Peterson and do all the buying for the year for Peterson. It was quite a trip.
0: How long were you gone?
4: Three and a half weeks every year for that trip. In February, the worst time to go to Europe. So for
0: three and a half weeks in Europe, you were in and out of hotel rooms, in and out of airports, in and out of trade shows and factories. Yeah. And so for those of you that think that business travel is glamorous, you're all wrong. Um, how many, but this was your big buying trip for the entire year, correct?
4: Yes, it was. Yeah. Those days, you know, we were, we were I said we were the bank of Hulk Aurora, really. Because we'd <laughs> go over there, buy all these pipes and all these gifts, have to pay for them, have them shipped in. Then we'd wait for the trade shows and the gift shows in the summertime, sell the stuff with Christmas dating, collect it in December, and start the whole organization all over again starting in February. And hopefully we'd get paid by everything by, you know, that time frame.
0: So you were lucky if you turned your entire
4: inventory once a year. On the pipes, yeah, about once a year is what we were probably turning it. Sometimes if something was doing really, really well, we'd get reorders right after the show, and fill up the inventory. About but how
0: it, about how many pipes do you think you were moving through each year? That, oh, I, just a I guess. Do not I remember. I, I know you're old, so just a guess. I'm guessing like half a million pipes, probably. And that's just every price range, all up and down, and that was an
4: annual turn. Yeah, I should have looked it up before I got on the phone with you.
0: Well, that's okay. I wanted to surprise you and see if you see what you'd say. Anyway, well, it's fifteen
4: years ago, so it's it's a while.
0: <laughs> we'll take a break right here. When we come back, we'll talk about shape creation, line creations, and then we haven't even touched on all the tobaccos. So, stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute.
2: I'm not just a pipe smoker. I'm a Meersham pipe smoker. All of my pipes come from MeershamStore.com. They've been in business for 50 years, and I can trust that there will be no hassles. Orders are processed and shipped fast, and they have every shape you can imagine, including Calabash, Claws, Dragons, Horror, even a sexy series. mirshamstore.com the most trusted Meersham store for 50 years.
0: We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show talking with Brad Weinfeld. Brad, what tobaccos did Hulko, Hulko
4: Roar represent? Well, the time I was there, we had our own tobacco factory in Louisville, Kentucky, that made the World to Black Blends private label, the most popular being 513, which is Aged Maduro Cavendish, and the other one was 341, English Oriental Supreme. But they had hundreds, and they had all the blending tobaccos, the Virginias, the Burleys, the Latakias, the Pariques, etc., etc., etc. Then we also represented Peter Stokeby out of Denmark on the bulk tobacco side. And then, of course, with him on his tin side, we had the Orlick tobaccos. We had Aaron Moore pipe tobaccos, rat race pipe tobaccos, the Jensen 1 through 6, I think it was. And then we had, um, I can't think of the name, uh,
0: yeah, A and C um, Petersons, Adobe uh, Foursquare, and
4: we had the w Four foursquares. Yes, yes, yes. That's what I was thinking of. Yes.
0: Did you also have a Scudo
4: for a while? No, we didn't. But Franklin Lewis, who was the head of Kamoi and GBD, that's all he smoked. <laughs> but we never had that.
0: So was the was the tin tobacco market as was it a big part of the business, or was it primarily the the five pound? bulk tobaccos that were sold in the stores as private label. Ninety
4: five percent bulk tobacco by by a long shot and most of it aromatic. And this is the stuff that would go
0: into Tinderbox under one name and under into yeah, Joe's smoke shop under whatever Joe wanted to call it.
4: Yes. Yeah the tin tobacco was very small business then because I think the margins were like thirty percent on it. And the bulk tobacco was you know quadruple your money, and it still was so much cheaper than the tin tobacco. It wasn't even funny. that was back in the days when I think you know you'd buy two ounces of tobacco retail for a dollar twenty or something
0: and the retailer was happy if you dipped your pipe in the bowl and loaded up a bowlful to try it
4: yeah, exactly. I mean tobacco didn't have any of the tobacco taxes on it, and it was very, very inexpensive in those days.
0: Um, so that was back in the days before the Internet when the consumer had no idea what the manufacturer's name of it was. It was just whatever the retailer had and had no idea from store to store.
4: And people believed it, you know, hook, line, and sinker. I mean, there was one time, I remember this one retailer in California got really lazy. He ran out of one of his favorite blends and... The consumer comes in and he goes, "Just take the pouch of this. It's the same stuff." The guy, you know, lights up the the thing and goes, "This doesn't even taste close to the same." And he's going, "Yes, it's the same." <laughs> but people were so believed that they were actually blending it in their back rooms.
0: <laughs> but world and World Tobacco and Peter Stokeby were, I mean those those companies had been around for forever and was the major competition to Lane Limited, who was the other supplier of loose
4: tobaccos at yeah. that point. Yes, that, and then probably a little bit from Century, and then, of course, McClellan's.
0: Yeah, and then a few others started to pop in. and
4: uh, Yeah. Well, Consolidated had theirs, too, and I think there was another guy named Milton Sherman or something like that.
0: Yeah, was that Red Lion that he had?
4: There was something out of Red Lion, but I'm not sure. I know Stokeby did some some stuff up there, but I can't remember.
0: And the bulk tobacco volume that was coming in and going out, do you have any any recollection of what kind of poundage?
4: I want to say at that point the market was over 4 million pounds per year.
0: And right now we figure and, the market's at about two and a half, three million 3 million pounds. So. And that's probably counting some cigarette tobacco in there. Ah, uh, we don't talk about that. Um, but speaking of cigarette tobacco, Hulco also
4: had Roll Your Own Cigarette Tobacco. Yes, we did. Made by Peter Stokeby. And we also had the machine. You make your own machines, too. So the retailer could buy just
0: about anything you needed from the Hulco sales rep when they'd come in, except for a. You know, some of the key premium cigar brands, but you could stock the entire store just with one with one visit.
4: Yeah, we really did. We had all the tools, all the accessories, all the pouches, cigar cases. We had the men's gifts that was so popular in that time. We had all the walking sticks, the flasks, um, fake scrimshaw. You know, you, we had, we really covered the, you know, the, the tinderbox style stores, the mall stores completely at that time.
0: Can we talk about some of the pipelines that I happen to know about and tell the family secret about the uh, like the origins of the Sir Jeffrey? Sure, why not? Okay, go ahead.
4: Uh, okay, well, I mean, we made a GBD in Italy called the Sir Jeffrey, which was named after my son. And I got that idea because when I was a, a young man, very young, like six years old, my dad. Um, Max Rohr had a private label line called Marrow for the M M A and then R-O from Max Rohr. And it was like he had one called the Sir Bradley, and my brother's name was Mark, and he had, you know, the Marco Polo, and he had another one called the Brad Mark. So I honored my son with a Sir Jeffrey, and he doesn't smoke cigars now, and he once in a while smokes a Sir Jeffrey, I have to say.
0: <laughs> so that's how some of the lines of pipes get named.
4: Yeah, but more often than not, it's the map.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it just depends on where it was made. Exactly. Um, I'm interested in uh, a lot of the the business styles that I've used all along are basically Hulko business styles of, you know, if a pipe doesn't look good or whatever, just send it back and we'll trade it out for you. Uh did that start with your grandfather?
4: Yeah, I would imagine it did. I know it wasn't Mr. Frank's theory. He was a <laughs> lot tougher. But my father, who learned from my grandfather, it was just so much easier to give a guy a new pipe and have him tell 20 people, hey, this Joby pipe, it wasn't even that expensive. I sent it back after 10 years and it was burnt out and they gave me a new pipe. This guy's going to tell everyone you know, how excited he was about that. Whereas if you do the opposite you don't give him one he's going to tell even more people what a what a schmucky company you are
0: (laughs) so when you got into the pipe business it was you know the late 70s 1980s and the business was dropping off faster and faster what did you do to try to to try to keep people interested and try to sell new pipes
4: well, what we did is like you're seeing it in the cigar industry today. Every year, we'd go over and make a new Kamoy, a new GBD, put a ring here, put a band on it there, switch this to a lucite stem, you know, find a different color for lucite stem. Maybe red on one of them, maybe you know, a, a brown lucite. We did a, we even did a blue pipe with a blue lucite stem. Everything had a, it was just always just changing bands and rings and. All sorts of stuff using glue very creatively because if you just kept on making a straight everyday pipe, it gave the guy no reason to buy a new pipe.
0: And yet the pipe business was dropping and stores were moving out of the malls. and In fact, the entire tobacco business was kind of falling off and falling off until about 1993,
4: 94? Maybe 92 when Cigar Aficionado came out. I think it really made a huge difference. It didn't help the pipe business, really, but it put cash flow into all the retail stores that were out there for all those years that were working on low margins on cigars and not really caring about them. It changed the whole world, our world, I should say.
0: Did the, did the cigar boom help pipes and pipe tobacco a little bit?
4: I, I, I don't think it really did, but it, what it did is it gave the retailers cash flow. So they were able to put more stuff in. But I don't think they were seeing that much more of an improvement in the business. But they were able to stock the stores a little bit better and make it look better. Because before that, like I said, we were the bank of Hulk Roar. And once the cigar boom happened, if you didn't pay your bill within 30 to 60 days, you would be shut off from cigars. And then your world ended.
0: I remember seeing the signs from the uh, from the old Hulk trade Show booth that said, No new cigar orders. For the trade shows
4: yeah that was one year that was the year before we were sold we had over five million romeo and julietta vintages on backorder and we only got 500,000 the year before
0: <laughs> so, so you weren't going to quite cover that um, no in 1998 when the cigarette settlement agreement hit the business was kind of closing and being sold at that point, but then we saw the pickup of Roll Your Own Tobacco. Um, Did you see any improvement in the pipe tobacco sales? Anybody switching from cigarettes to pipes
4: then? At that point, I really didn't have much um, pulse on that part of the market. I was so busy in the accounting trying to get the sale to go through.
0: And, And get it packed up and get me shipped off to Tampa. Yes, and I know you just loved going to Tampa. Didn't mind it. Disney World was 45 minutes away. Just like Burbank to
4: uh, Anaheim.
0: On a really good day, it's 45
4: minutes. Yeah, if you leave at 6 in the morning.
0: <laughs> ah, yes, Los Angeles, where travel is told in minutes with or without traffic.
4: And when it's traffic, we use a sundial to time it, right? <laughs>
0: Uh, can we tell some fun stories about uh about me working there? In particular about your mother coming to you and complaining about me.
4: Well, my mom thought you might have been the biggest brown noser that ever lived. <laughs> because you would always like try to get weasel little things for your customers that you were talking to on the phone and this and that and my mom just said, Brian, stop being such a brown noser <laughs> I also
0: remember one day when she called me an asshole, and I went into your office, and I said, Brad, your
4: mom just called me an asshole. Yeah, and I must have said, boy, that means she really likes you now. Yeah, Yeah. and you know,
0: I I miss your mom dearly, but she's the only person that I've ever seen send food back on an airplane because it wasn't cooked right.
4: Yeah, well, what can I say?
0: All right, so what's going on currently in the cigar world, with, uh, in particular with Quesada Cigars, which is the uh, new name for SAG Imports, and I know Matassa's got a whole new factory
4: and a bunch of new stuff coming out. Yes, this is Manuel's 40th anniversary of being in the cigar business. He's, they've been a leaf tobacco business since 1876, but he started his factory in 1974 in the Dominican Republic. And so we're going to have a cigar to commemorate the 40th anniversary called the Q40. It's going to come in five sizes, two of them limited edition sizes. One of them really, really, really unique. It's a pressed Solomon shape. It's only pressed in the middle, so the two tips are round. Very interesting. And yeah. this is to commemorate the 40th anniversary of the Casada family making cigars in the Dominican Republic. And we're mm-hmm. very excited about the launch of this.
0: And you also make my favorite cigar.
4: The Casa Magna? The Pequito, is ca- that?
0: The Pequito, yep. That's, yep. that's my
4: go-to. Yeah, that was a great story, the Casa Magna. I mean, we lost Toy de Nicaragua as one of our lines, and Manuel and I went down the, to Nicaragua to work on a new brand, and we came up with a cigar called the Casa Magna. After staying in a hotel in Mexico for the TAA called the Casa Magna, <laughs> Marriott Casa Magna. And then um, the cigar comes out, it's doing very, very well, and we get a phone call a couple of days before the new year from Cigar Aficionado and says, Congratulations, Casa Magna is Cigar of the Year in 2008. And that has definitely been a lifesaver for our company, that's for sure.
0: How's production on... Uh casa magna
4: this year we're right on target last year we were a little bit behind but this year we're right on and cigars are great and people are really really still loving them which is thank god we need that and
0: then of course there's the uh the the core the the line that started it all was fonseca which is a great dominican connecticut shade line that's got some line
4: extensions off of that as well uh yeah it's got a cuban cuban heritage going back to 1891
0: and then you guys are doing something that I think is kind of fun, which is the, the Oktoberfest
4: cigars. Great idea. Manuel's nephew TJ, or Terrence, he came up with this idea, since he's kind of a beer geek, he said, you know, everyone's coming up with all these seasons or this or that. He goes, hey, there's a lot of beer geeks that love cigars. And he came up with this Oktoberfest. What an idea. And this last year we did all these events all over the country, and so many of the stores hired girls like they dress in Germany. It was quite a fun month and a half going around and doing all the events, i got to say. Did you have
0: to go to all the events, or did you just go to as many as possible?
4: No, I couldn't do all of them. Terrence probably did twice as many as I did, and I did, I think, 15 of them in a month and a half.
0: And real quick, before we wrap it up, um, for those of us that are uh, relatively thrifty, which I are one of them, Manuel sells what I've always liked as, as a good value is the Roller's Choice. And I've I've yet to have anybody on the show that can explain this, but Roller's Choice is basically factory seconds from other productions within the factory?
4: That's what it is. I mean, they'll see the, like, the wrapper the might two-tone a little bit, or, you know, there might be a little nick or something like that, or the color just isn't quite as good, or there's more... The wrapper's not as smooth as it's supposed to be, as it, you know, on a Fonseca, and then it gets graded out to be a roller second, a roller's choice. It's it's really a second, but it's, it's a first in everything. It will smoke just as well as a first.
0: So there's no construction issues with it. It's just cosmetic issues. Just cosmetic, for sure. And if you know the size of your favorite Fonseca... You find the size of your of a roller's choice, and you've saved a couple of bucks a cigar
4: at least. Yep, yeah, that's for sure.
0: And you don't have to worry about tearing the band off because there's no band on them.
4: We actually do make one now that says Roller's Choice with a band on it, but you, you are correct. I mean, it's they're really good cigars at a really great price.
0: So there, there's your cost saving tip and a little inside cigar industry uh, baseball for you, I guess. Uh, all right, we will wrap this up with the fast five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer. Everybody gets them. Are you ready? I'll try. What's your favorite pipe?
4: My favorite pipe is a Butch Joe can that I got when I was in France when Rick Hacker and I were over there being inducted as a conferee. And he was trying to get both these pipes. And my wife, who saw that John Paul was a little a bit upset with this, grabbed both pipes, put the pipes behind her back, and said, Rick, which one do you want? And he was a little upset, but he said, I'll take your right hand. So Cheryl gave him that pipe, and I got the left-hand pipe.
0: (laughs) What's your favorite tobacco?
4: My favorite tobacco is like an English Oriental type tobacco. A lot of Latakia. Lately, I've been smoking a little bit of Perfection.
0: And what's your favorite drink?
4: Coffee.
0: I was. I'm just glad you didn't say it's some of that green sludgy stuff I saw your wife drinking or trying to force everybody else to drink.
4: Yeah, well, she's a health mama, that's for sure. Looked like
0: pond scum in a milk jug. Um, when it's time to relax, is it a book, a movie, or music? A movie. And last but not least, any. Uh, any favorite pipe smoking memories?
4: You know, I do have them. When we would sit around my office and in my, in my little room there in my office, and we would just sit there and re, you know hash over what, what our plans were, what we had to come up with for the year. You know, brainstorming whether it was you know going over cigars. And you, know, you were involved in these brainstorms. Alan was, Steve Wilson was, even Mike Martin was. <laughs> and that was like those are the special times. Yeah. And that
0: was in Chatsworth, California, the adult film capital of the world at the time.
4: Yep. Now they probably ruined that, too, with the condom law.
0: (laughs) We had some interesting neighbors. That's what the place became after we left. Uh, So to find out more about the cigars that Brad is selling now the website is Sagimports.com, S A G Imports.com or Quesada Cigars. Q U E S A D A Cigars. Yep. Brad, thank you very much. See you in uh, thank you, Brian. See you in Vegas in a couple of months. All right, looking forward to it. We'll be back in just a minute. There's
3: nothing quite like working in my shop or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com.
1: Signore, signore, scusi per favore, but what is that intoxicating and delicious aroma coming from your pipe?
2: Oh, uh, this is Molto Dolce, my all-time favorite blend from Sutliff Tobacco. Do you like it? I found it on SutliffMoltoDolce.com.
1: Do you mind if I try? Oh, Signore, this truly is Molto Dolce. So charming that you even speak my language, as it is truly very sweet. (laughs) Just like you, I am sure. I can just taste the warm caramel and sweet dripping honey gushing through my mouth. Oh, and even better, the rich vanilla flavor plays so well with the other tastes over my tongue. Pure heaven. Mi piace moltissimo, mio amore. Can't you see it, signore?
2: I can see it. I can see it.
1: And signore, best of all, no tongue bite. Grazie un milione for the pipe, signore.
2: Hey! Sightliff Tobacco Company will not be held responsible for any loss of one's favorite pipe customers may experience when smoking our delicious Baltodochi blend in public. This is Internet Radio. So
0: I was thinking during the commercial break, uh, if the market was about 4 million pounds of pipe tobacco back then, I'm guessing that Holco had to be going through 250,000 pounds of pipe tobacco annually. Add that onto the half million Pipes a year. I mean, Brad's the type of guest that you only get on the Pipes Magazine radio show, going all the way back in history to touching on Wally Frank. Alright, for entertainment instead of music, I will warn you right now, this is going to be slightly irreverent, but I've been watching a lot of the All in the Family episodes on YouTube. The 1970s TV show with Archie and Edith and Meathead and Gloria. Uh, And I found this one episode where Archie and Michael, Meathead, have a bet where Archie can't quit smoking for 48 hours and Michael can't quit eating for 48 hours. But the ramp up in the first seven or eight minutes is kind of a uh, look into the future of what's coming in... uh, What's coming up in anti smoking laws? And I've trimmed it down so it's about two minutes and 45 seconds of the best parts of that first seven minutes of the show. But I thought we'd play a little bit of old All in the Family starring Carol O'Connor.
5: That's right. They got a law now against smoking in elevators. Well, to that law, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky for me, the guard was a straight guy. After the dame took off, I give him one of my cigars. He ripped up the report. <laughs>
0: Oh, boy, oh, boy, and you're the one who's always preaching law and order,
5: huh? <laughs> that is for the criminals, little guile. Law and order should not ruin the lives of law-abiding people. <laughs> that stupid law prohibition they had in the old days. The gangsters had to go out there and open up speakeasies so a decent guy could raise a glass.
3: So what are you saying? They're going to do the same thing in office buildings? The mafia's going to start running elevators you can smoke in? <laughs>
5: If there's a buck in it, the Mafia will be there.
6: Here you are, my dear. Uh,
5: yeah. No, I describe to a higher law there, Meathead, God's law. And God intended man to smoke. <laughs> wait, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. God intended man to smoke? me, why do you think God planted tobacco? To make salads, you dopey? <laughs> That's to smoke. Everything God planted is for man to use.
6: Then what about marijuana?
5: God didn't plant marijuana, little girl. Because your Mexican band is done. That. Well, I'm for the new laws, because I don't think people should be allowed to smoke in elevators and movies and restaurants, because it really does bother the other people that don't smoke. Ah, what are you talking about? The only people that bothers are a bunch of pains in the necks that don't want the rest of the world to enjoy themselves. Well, I've been smoking around here for years, and up to now, I ain't heard no complaints from my loved ones. Well, uh, you gotta have respect for other people's feelings. I got respect for everybody's feelings. In the Constitution, we're supposed to have respect. We all got a right to the pursuit of happiness there. And if I want to pursue happiness with a cigar in my kisser, then you gotta respect that. What, what, what are you saying? Cigar smoking is an inalienable right? It's for aliens, it's for the native-born. <laughs> can smoke. Now let me give you a little history, the kind that you don't find in a history book. Naturally. Yeah. You know, if it wasn't for guys like me, smokers, there wouldn't be no America. You want to blow that past me again? Sure. You heard of your Washington? your Jefferson? The names ring a bell. Yeah. Well, they was what he called uh, planters. Planters were guys who used to raise cigars. <laughs> so if it was smokers like me buying a cigar from Jefferson and Washington, two of them guys would have went broke. There would have been no revolution against the English.
3: Yeah, and we wouldn't
5: have no Jefferson High School or George Washington Bridge.
0: <laughs> what a great TV show and from 40 years ago. Wonder how Archie would feel about the laws in Colorado and Washington State. Sweet, merciful crap! Let me start off the mailbag by thanking everybody for the highly successful auctions that we've run to raise money for the JDRF. The walk was last Saturday while I was in Raleigh. Our expectations were exceeded. We raised $2,334.78 in total, and that includes cash donations that came in, and the auctions this year got blown completely away from last year. A little bit over $1,650 of that from auctions. So I especially want to thank Steve Fallon and the Pipe Stud, as he likes to be known, for the use of his uh, Pipe Stud eBay store. Rick Newcomb for the generous donation of the pipe. Uh, My friend and listener, Peter Field, for not only donating a pipe, but also buying the pipe that Rick Newcomb donated And I want to thank Peter for donating to my liver a bottle of Noah's Hill small-batch bourbon, which is really quite good. I want to say another thank you again to Michael Johnson and Cosmic Folklore Studios for his donation of his tampers and his time and his masterful craft. Ed Green for donating the Michael Novak pipe. Thank you very much. Uh Ricardo Santia, and the Ultimate Corn Cob pipe. Thank you. That pipe ended while I was in Raleigh for sixty one dollars. So once again, you guys stepped way up and it shows what wonderful people are all in this pipe community. This was the single biggest year in the seven years that my daughter's been diagnosed. This is the biggest fundraising we've ever done. And I want to thank you very much from the bottom of my heart for everything. Uh, In regards to last week's show, the uh, multi-paneled 38-cut special bulldog pipe from the Kansas City show, that is owned by PipesMagazine.com's own Big Van. Uh, Big Van was showing off pictures of it in a thread. And apparently there are several of you listeners that have a couple of Joe's pipes and are enjoying them greatly and uh, Big Van's enjoying his uh, very special pipe. Several of you also commented on the uh, tips on traveling with pipes and uh, one in particular that I really like and I believe it was KC Ghost that said, you know, basically TSA is uh, minimum or low wage guys that have a lot of authority so don't travel with anything unless you're ready to lose it. Uh, Lincoln's Bark was honored that I read his uh, best pipe memory from that thread that's still going on the forum. So if you get a chance, go check that out. It's the Fast Five Final Questions forum uh, thread in the PipesMagazine.com forums. And apparently he was uh, he was listening to it while driving down to Philadelphia to propose to his now fiancé. So I guess she said yes, and his pipe budget just got cut in half. Uh, fuel pump Brian says uh, traveling with pipes Can be a problem especially when you have A bad zipper on a motorcycle jacket And you lose a basket pipe Out of it on the road And it ends up in Pieces Alright rant time Coming up next Italians have always been known for their aesthetic passion. It's their birthright, their legacy. And just like Savinelli, it continues to grow and evolve. It is ever-changing. Milan, 1876. each year savinelli debuts a series of new forward-thinking designs comprised of quality crafted pipes shaped from some of the best briar in the world behind every beautiful object there's a story start
2: your own chapter visit your local tobacconist or premium online dealer today cup of joe's a name you know a name that you trust for all your
3: tobacco needs exclusive pipes pipe tobacco accessories pipe stands and so much more Cuppa Joe's is the one place you can go and take care of every single one of your tobacco purchases. Fast shipping, friendly, professional service. One site, cuppajoes.com. And coming soon, their new line of smoking man pipes, cuppajoes.com. Quality products and extraordinary prices.
0: All you big dumb Las Vegas strip hotels, yeah you know who I'm talking about you big dumb ones, there's this new thing called a computer and it might help you operate your business a little bit better, but let me tell you how you can do it. See, first of all there's two large companies, there's MGM and then there's Caesars World and those two companies own most of the hotels on the Las Vegas strip. And when you call to make a reservation with them, they cannot guarantee you a smoking room. It's a preference, and you don't know if you're going to get your preference until you check in, because apparently these big dumb hotels don't know about this computer thing where they can punch stuff into the computer and see how many smoking rooms they have available, whether or not they can guarantee you a smoking room. None of the Las Vegas strip hotels now guarantee smoking rooms, it's because they're big, dumb, and they're lazy, and they also know that they're the only game in town. I also checked in uh, these big, dumb Las Vegas hotels. Don't participate on Smoketales.com, because that's the first place I went looking when I was booking my room for Vegas. Now in the last three years that I've gone to this NATO show, I've stayed at three different hotels. The first two years, I got checked into a room that was non-smoking, got moved the next day into a smoking room. This year, I got lucky, got a smoking room for the for the two-night stay. But these big, dumb hotels apparently haven't heard of this new thing called the computer where they can line up how many smoking rooms they have and how many people have requested them and guarantee it. It's because they're big and dumb. Or maybe it's just because they're lazy and they figure, ah, what the heck, instead of having you smoke in your room, they'd rather have you down smoking in the casino where, uh, you know, they've got all these slot machines and table games. But there you go. Big dumb casinos in Las Vegas. You need this new thing called the computer to help you figure that out. Hey, uh, quick reminder. uh, Chicago Pipe Show, the Pipes Magazine moderator uh, the pipes magazine contributor forum has been moved to 10 p.m by our request shortly following rick newcomb's presentation of pipe smoking in the movies so that'll be friday night 10 p.m approximately right after rick newcomb's presentation is over because kevin and i are really looking forward to that looking forward to seeing all of you in chicago in the meantime follow me on facebook leave us uh, ratings or reviews on itunes Got any comments? Post them in the forums. I do read them all and I appreciate them all and I appreciate everybody listening. And I will say thank you to Sutliff Tobacco Company and until next time.
3: Bom-ba-dee-da. He's fine. Who cares
5: about the clouds when we're together?
3: Just ah. sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy train. I'm completely operational and all my circuits are functioning perfectly.